Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Creative Weirdos. This is the interview segment of the Create Magic podcast. And today I am super excited to share this conversation with my good friend, Chris Estrada. He's an amazing artist, printer, and all around sincere person. I really enjoyed this conversation. We talk about growing up in the punk scene, interdimensional screen printers, and a whole bunch of just weird, great uh, kind of inspirational fodder. He is just one of the more unique thinkers that I've gotten to talk to recently. And yeah, I'm just really excited about this conversation. All the links for Chris's work is below. Please support everything that Chris puts out. Follow him at Farewell Transmissions on Instagram. And yeah, that's everything I got. Enjoy this conversation and I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye. Yeah, so you said you're not a sketchbook person. I was wondering, like, how you actually, like, do you fuck around and do, like, mock-ups? Or, like, do you just go straight in and for the final design? And if it doesn't hit it, start over? Like, what's your garbage can look like? Like, do you have a lot that lays on the floor? Or, like, are you just kind of, you know what you're going for, so you can kind of nail it? It's really just being as, like, stubborn and pushing forward as possible. So all of the times that I start something and I'm like, oh, sh- maybe I should, maybe I should rethink this or maybe I should do like a mock-up and it's like, no, I'm going to, I got (laughs) to see this through. So the positive is like, I think I found a lane that, that usually it's not catastrophic if I fail, but one thing that I found when I was doing stuff like etching, that was a lot more like I should have pre-planned a lot more or sketched or stopped and done like test prints and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was not happy with the end result, and then I would just yeah. I'd move forward. So I would throw away like my etching plate, and then I'd have professors be like, "Wait, what? What? No, you should rework <laughs> it." And it's like, "No, no, I'm I'm done. I'm going on back." To the next thing. Yeah. So thankfully, I think I'm in a lane now that it's kind of like I don't really have to pump the brakes. It's not too bad if I don't. I think that was my notification. Oh, either way. I just wanted to make sure my shit was off. I'm not worried about it, though. Um, Does that impact the materials you use and stuff? Like, do you think you choose certain things? Like, we talked about the other day, like, not using the nicest garments all the time and stuff like that. Do you think that, like, Um, that mindset kind of, like, filters through some of that? Like, I don't want to say, like, the punk rock ethic or aesthetic or something, but do you think it's all tied to that same, like, upbringing and everything? It's kind of tough. I was actually just having, this is a whole nother <laughs> conversation that I know, I know you're going to want to get into this too, because it's, okay. I was having this conversation with a friend and she's an artist and we were talking about, um, using archival stuff. And okay. I, a lot of times in my head, it's easy to say who, who gives a shit? It's not really, it doesn't really if you don't need the nicest art supplies to make art. And I do believe that. And we had a talk about it. And and then that kind of brought about like, what is the legacy that you leave behind in your art? Is it something that people can go back and look on? And I'm not, I mean, I like myself just fine, but I'm not 
Uh, I'm not under the impression that in a hundred years, somebody's going to look up a like Godzilla Stooges print and be like, oh my God, what? this is just magical. So yeah, but, no, I know what you mean. Um, but I had, I had a professor in my life who was really impactful, who had said, was kind of like, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, then how could you, if you're not investing in your art, how could you ever assume that anybody else would want to invest in it either? Yeah. So I'm on like a kit. I mean, I use, I use the same paper for pretty much every project and it's kind of expensive, which sucks. So it you is like, paper for everything, right? Yeah, dude. And, and yeah, I blame I, I got a fresh, fresh box. It's my favorite. And it's, <laughs> it's impossible not to spend the money on it. Like it it's really the, is it's the shipping that gets me, but it's dude, it's Jay Ryan set me onto that. And I'm, Oh I, yeah. Dude, one of my favorites. I, I love it, dude. Like it's my favorite. So when I totally blow it and fuck up, like the lot, it's not a catastrophic loss, but it is like, Oh man, like this is, I didn't mess up a newsprint and have to go back. It's like, Oh man, yeah. this like, monetarily this kind of sucks but and i know i've seen you repurpose those things so i know you're good at that like i know i've seen cut downs for letters and notes and stuff like that which like it's awesome that you can always use it for something like that's the one thing that's nice about screen printing is it's never complete trash like as long as the ink's on the paper somewhere like you can (laughs) you can make something with it (laughs) my notes for the last like year are the first collab that you and i did and the first time I printed it was on like a, it was on a paper that I shouldn't have used and the weight wasn't right. So I, the run was like 30 or 40 yeah. prints. I hated every one of them. So I've been, I still have a box of them that I use them for every note, which is cool. Cause it's like, you know, it's a tiny snippet of a print, but totally, it was like that one, that one stung. I was like, yeah. God damn it. And I knew, of course. So I knew from the start, like, well, maybe I could check to see if this is the right paper. And it's like, yeah, nah, I, I just got to do it. No, I'm with you. I'm bad at that stuff. And to go back a minute ago about what you were saying as far as materials and like, you know, I know in our last conversation, we definitely touched on that. You don't need like the nicest materials to make the nicest art and all that. But you kind of like once you use them, you kind of get it. Like like yeah. the first time I used like a $30 sable brush to ink something instead of uh-huh. a $5, you're like, oh, there's a reason people spend the money on this shit. Like you don't, it, it's not like it's necessary. You know, like we talked about last time, Mike giant uses Sharpies and makes beautiful lines with them. And those are as cheap as you get. But like, yeah. there's a certain point where once you do get accustomed to the, like, like I would never tell kids it's not worth investing in nice stuff. Like I'd say, if you don't, if yeah. you can't afford it, don't waste your money on it. Like you can make stuff without it. But like, if you're taking this seriously and kind of like what your professor was saying, like you need to invest in yourself before people are going to invest in you. And I think like for anybody that's a kid making stuff or anything, like there is an, there's there, I've never really ran into someone who's making stuff without any kind of intention to share it some way. Like I think that like in the act of making and creating, there is a, a intention to share it no matter what people say, even my five-year-old who's just like making (laughs) random shit. Like all he wants to do is run over and show it to his parents. Like, you know, he's doing it like, like that's part of it. And I think like, you know, there's, there's something to, we all have this kind of imposter syndrome and you know, that whole artistic downplay. And, but like, yeah, I think there's something to also owning it and being like, no, my shit is good. And like, 
the other thing I wanted to touch on that you said is like, you know, no one's going to be looking back like as society as a like societal marker about your prints about Godzilla and this weird pop culture. But they yeah. might, and they kind of like. So I was talking to my buddy who's a historian, a history professor, and he was talking yeah. to me about how he looks at art, and he looks at it as all you know cultural artifacts. Like what, like he was talking to me about like his favorite comics growing up, which were like the '90s image, just over the top, yeah. ridiculous. But and he's like, the art is like almost like objectively ugly. Like he's like, there's, but he's like, there's like something to it. That's like, so that time and a marker that like people will be studying this shit in like a hundred years and like, you know, trying to figure out. So like when you think about it in that microcosm, like I think anybody that's adding to that, like mythology or that, like whether you sell one print or you don't sell any and you just post it, like, I think it's all going out there and like has the, has the, uh, the, I guess end goal of sticking around whether you want it to or not, like it's just going to happen. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's something to just, uh, yeah, like being a little less, not less, uh, humble, but you know, believing it like in what you're doing, if that makes sense. I think, I think the thing, the, I think the thing that is so cool, I know that the internet can be problematic for people, but one of the things that I found so interesting was the ability to connect with people all over. And I remember seeing a friend of mine was would like track where their stuff ended up, and they had like a map, and they'd put. And I'm not that. I, I'm just no, not that's that. That's cool. But anytime, like anytime something goes to like, oh, this is going to Puerto Rico. Oh, this is going to Scotland. Oh, this is Absolutely. going to. Dude, it rules. So. I think in that regard, like the trying to spread it as wide as possible. Like I remember I went to France and I put a bunch of stickers up and it was like, okay, cool. Like that's funny. And I had stickers on me. And then like maybe a week or two later, a friend of mine was out there that I had not gone with and was sending me photos like, yo, is this you? Am I, why are you? I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like that's this is the best exactly. Feeling. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. This is me. This, and that's like, I guess like leaving your mark is I, that's part of your legacy. Totally. And it's all like you define that, like, you know, like that's all it takes for you to like, you know, feel accomplished. I mean, and like, I think you, the way that you work and like making prints that are like a, a mashup of Godzilla and Stooge, Stooges references <laughs> makes it more universal because the like, so I really think art's probably the one thing that you can truly say is like a universal communicator, like emojis, however you want to look at it, like smiley faces, yeah. everyone can communicate with that. Like you can't do it with math or anything else, but like art, yeah. you can draw it out and communicate basic stuff with almost anyone that like has the ability to process images. So like, yeah. I think when you also are using these like, uh, cultural phenomenons that cross bound like godzilla is something that is not an american thing that is like yeah. a huge american phenomenon and worldwide phenomenon and like same thing with the stooges like i bet the stooges are one of those examples where they're way bigger in japan than they ever were here like it's like yeah, punk yeah, rock yeah. in general seems to have that like uh effect yeah. in certain parts of the world like you look at like the ramones playing in like mexico in the 90s and you're like what is that it looks like lollapalooza or something it's totally yeah. like it's so so 
like using those kind of cultural touchstones, I think like makes your work more accessible in certain ways that like just random uh, personal artwork that would be, I don't know, it, it's, it takes longer to make that connection sometimes when you're not using those, you're using a language essentially. Yeah. Like yeah, a language on top of a language. <laughs> I think it's probably a whole lot harder to come into it without any, if you don't have that bridge for people, like it's, I mean, it's nice to make work that makes people think. And I do think that that's really impactful. And I don't think that that's always my personal aim. I, I mean, it's nice to make work that people can relate to that's sometimes immediate. And maybe it maybe it cheapens that aspect in some regard if you were looking at it from maybe like an academic standpoint or just like a, I don't know, a, a, a heavy theory standpoint. But it does, I mean, I just, if I can get art into the hands of anyone anywhere who like whether you frame it or you fucking tack it to your wall or like you fucking <laughs> whatever man it, I, that used to it's funny that used to be when i started friends would send me pictures of prints that now i hate but seeing like a fucking thumbtack right through it i, I was kind of like oh that's no. like that's a bfk paper man and that's like a lithograph like that's dude it's really tough but then it's like Oh, it doesn't matter. People just enjoy things differently. And just the fact that somebody's like celebrating your work or whether maybe they think it kind of sucks, but they're just like hyped because you're your friend. It's like, absolutely. I love that. No, absolutely. I think there's, uh, there's definitely something to getting over that. Like, I don't want to say preciousness of it, but like, I think growing as an like creator in general, you kind of learn, especially like, I know like, we talked last time about you keeping your personal stuff kind of separate from your like full-time job stuff, but like yeah. you still work creatively. And like, once you're working in a, in like a, I don't want to say like capitalist creative system, but that's what it all is. You realize yeah. that like, like there's no preciousness. Like you have to get shit done when shit's got to get done. And like when yeah. I'm doing stuff for Brandywine, I'm putting out two illustrations a week. Like I'm not sitting there like, this is my baby. And this is like, you know, like <laughs> I'm like, I'm drawing cats and turtles. And like, I, I kind of <laughs> have a formula and like, sometimes I break the formula and it's fun. And sometimes like, no, this is just going to be like standard Brandywine. Bat. Like, I think there's like, and that doesn't make, one better than the other but like i think yeah. more like the more i talk to other working artists the more i see that like no one really like there's this just so many stereotypes of what like professional art people are and none of that it seems to be true in my experience i guess but yeah. like i mean i'm sure it exists out there somewhere but like it's just not i, I was talking to somebody and i he, he was like you get paid to like make what you want to make. And I'm like, no, like I don't really get paid. Like, like sort of yeah. like, yes, I like, I'm close to that because like I got lucky with Brandywine, but like most of my stuff I have, like I'm not sitting down just like uh, doing anything willy nilly, you know, like there's a commerce yeah. that I know has to, this has to meet this criteria to make this much money, et cetera. So I can keep being a creator. Like there's Absolutely. a financial part to it. And I think like there's a uh, misconception that like, you know, there's these artists that are just like full time. Like I just sit and I'm one with the canvas and then sell it for a billion dollars and all yes. that. And I'm like, I mean, if I that's get, your, yeah, like if that's your world, that's awesome. But I don't think is that's that a world? Possible. Like, is that a world that I just don't experience, I guess. And like, I, uh, I don't know where like what I do for work is that like blue chip world that is really I mean, it's there's so it's so complex that there's really no like we have this 
I think there's this idea of the individual genius where we think like, oh, a painter or an artist creates this body of work by themselves and we celebrate that and we love an artist as a celebrity. So we think of like Warhol or something. We're like, oh, Warhol's a fucking, he's a <laughs> man. Like he did, and I'm not, it, I do think that his impact was important. And I do think the impact of a lot of people is important. And I think that's just how culture has shifted. But the idea that like, yeah, like an artist sits in front of a canvas and they pour out everything that they have in them. And then they're done with it and then it's celebrated and then they're rewarded with millions. And it's kind of like, Oh, here's your, like, this is, this is your stipend to continue to, I mean, that just, that doesn't exist. Even the people that are closer to that, like gallery high end, there's gotta be a ton of bullshit. Like I was just listening to these people, uh, an interview with somebody who runs, you know, uh, the grays, Alex gray and the visionary artist has that giant thing up in New York. I was listening to the person that runs, like it's his graphic designer. And she was talking about how much of like, their life is just permitting and like just paperwork and all it's like yeah like like everybody just has a bunch of shit that they have to deal with on all levels so it's but yeah it's funny you brought up warhol and that likes i just the other day in an in a conversation was like i think andy warhol broke things in a lot of bad ways and like i think like like i think any kind of person that like deteriorates barriers the kind of way he did, there's going to release a lot of bad stuff that those barriers were kind of holding back as well as the good stuff. So I think like he did a lot of good and whatnot, but I, I don't know. There's like, there's an aspect of it all that I think changed a lot with the impact of it. But I'm not like an art historian at all. So I really, I just have uh, some random thoughts that probably aren't correct but (laughs) i mean it's funny because i had this i maybe like three days ago i had this same conversation with a friend while we were working and uh real smart guy big on theory and we were kind of just discussing like the pros and cons of i mean it's not just warhol but that kind of like acceptance of art for art's sake and looking at something and saying like, this is a really awesome piece of art. Let's make a fucking fridge magnet out of it and let's make socks. And like, there does not have to be any depth behind it. And there doesn't have to be any conversation. This is exactly like what you see is what you see is what you get. There's nothing. And it's interesting because as an artist, I, there's not, I make plenty of stuff that I, am interested in and I'm like okay this is exactly what I'm making this is what I want it to be and there's not always like a deep message behind it or it's not a cohesive body of work so in that regard I mean I'm kind of like benefiting from that immediacy that came out of like you know making like a visually attractive piece of art like where it's purely aesthetic it's it's so I'm totally guilty of existing in that realm too but I do think it really like change the way that we consume art or maybe it yeah. became consuming art instead of having I a conversation that's very close that's actually like something i've thought about a lot but almost different i almost uh have thought about it more in the way that he had he kind of uh produced art like the whole factory mm. community style of like art living and like i don't want to say like leeching others creativity but like he there was a thing in which he wanted the best of the best around him at all times right. and like but you hear that from like bowie was that way and like it's not like yeah. 
bad, but like these people realize that there's this like creative energy that you get from being around other creatives. And I think like even something that started out altruistic may have turned into like a, uh, yeah. I need this to keep my hustle up. And like, you know, I'm not uh, obviously accusing anybody of anything, but like, it's just one of those things that like some of the stuff. So even though you say that you don't have like a body of work and all of that, like it, you have a singular voice, I'd say like you, like, you know, I know, like, even though like you function inside of a, uh, you know, an aesthetic, like I can tell your work from other people that are doing similar things. Like, I feel like that, yeah. but like when you're somebody like what Warhol was doing, where like his hands weren't really like, it's, there's a line that I think you lose some of that. Like, you know, not that everybody has to be pulling their own prints or printing their own shirts or anything. Like, I think it's great. There's a bunch of printers that can do things for artists and stuff these days, but like, there's something to like you doing it all from start, like finding the source material, being inspired, creating the image, burning the screens, like doing the whole, whole thing. And like, I think there's something special to artists that like, recognize that like that's not a limitation like that's almost like an yeah, advantage yeah. like because i think a lot of people think because of that like warhol style scalability and stuff like that where like i never think about that shit like i think about doing like 10 like i sell 10 posters and i'm like cool that's done on to the next thing yeah. like i'm just i've never really had that brain where i'm like mass produce that like but like i think a lot of people kind of get caught up in that and like it can it can affect things good and bad i feel like like i think there's people that make better work when they have bigger audience actually and i think like there is people that like like but i i just don't i don't like how it kind of became the only way it seems if that makes sense (laughs) yeah it definitely became yeah it was it was the it was an event or or a celebrity i mean it became like it really became like oh this is like not our God, but this is a God kind of like, we're looking at this person who is just like this totally golden separate from, and the reality is like, as somebody who works as an artist assistant, like you're, there are cogs in that machine that make that happen that are necessary and not celebrate. And that's just part of the, I mean, you don't need to, you can't sign your name on everything and that's fine, but it is like, so I have a, this is a little bit of a shift, but I am curious when do you feel like you found your voice? Because speaking of being able to recognize people's art, your art is immediately recognizable and you have a style that is so wholly unique to you. So when do you feel, because as a beginning artist, dude, it, I remember like really worrying that I would never, because I was not yeah. uh, just an illustrator, I was kind of like, oh, when will my work look like my work? And, totally. and how do people have, so like, when do you remember when you felt like, oh, I found a style that is very much me and this is how I kind work. of like i kind of feel like i'm still in that like i think that's how anybody would really answer honestly like i like i feel yeah. like it's still a work in progress but like the more factual answer is brand new wine like when i mm-hmm. actually had a i had a reason that i had to produce work and i for the first time had an audience to um give me feedback in one way or another like before yeah. that i was doing a lot more of like printing posters for other bands like not my own artwork just printing other people's artwork and like i was right, always yeah. drawing and doing stuff on my own but it was all like essentially personal work and then when i was doing freelance work before brandywine it was a mm-hmm. lot of like design work like very like 
the illustration side of things was a lot less. And like, it was always what I wanted to do. But uh, yeah. yeah, once I had the opportunity to have Brandywine as kind of like a platform to really like focus in and say, okay. And if you even go back to 70 years ago when Brandywine first started, it started yeah. like the first couple bags I did. They're like drawings of back roads in Delaware. They're like, they're like covered bridges oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Well, because yeah. when we start like, so Brandywine is a reference to the Brandywine Valley, which is like the Brandywine school of illustration with Howard Pyle and all okay. like, that's, that's my favorite chunk of art history just because of the locality and like it, it has, you know, the Wyatts and everything like that. And like, I mean, the, yeah. in the Delaware Art Museum's fill of Pyle and Wyeth masterpieces that are just like, I was very lucky to grow up on that shit. And like, I mean, yeah. so that's what Brandywine Coffee Roasters is named after is the Brandywine Valley. So we started out with a very like back roads, very kind of like almost like pen and ink Wyeth style illustrations. And that's like what I like brush pen and like very, and then yeah. they were all silk screen from the beginning and they were wax sealed. So it had that kind of like all hand done touch. And then like, I quickly realized that I could start putting in like, oh, this covered bridge has this cartoon cat sitting on it. And then, oh, this uh, yeah. back road has a UFO floating in the sky. And I started yeah. sprinkling in some of the weirder cartoony stuff that I've always done in the background. And that stuff started getting more of a response. And then I realized that like people don't want it to like say Brandywine Coffee Roaster. They want it to be a cool image that has like the coffee information somewhere kind of. But like really, yeah. once I realized that I didn't have to like essentially brand it and like put like have it be because if you look at most coffee branding it's information forward it says like yeah, it's right. real, but, so like once i realized that i was like oh i can just draw like an individual gig poster for each coffee bag because each coffee like the world of coffee is fucking crazy and once you start tasting a lot of coffee you realize that each one's completely different than the other one and like yeah they, there's no reason the art shouldn't represent that. So even though I'm not saying that like this coffee tastes like UFOs, I'm saying that like, or like this coffee inspired that, but like it's yeah. the individualism. So I think that was kind of where I started finding my voice is being able to like really put myself into the designs as well as like having this, like I have to have two illustrations done a week, screens burned and bags printed by this time without that yeah. deadline and that force um, I don't think I would have gotten to where I am today. And then like, actually kind of like we were talking about, I feel like I got a lot better once I actually had, once I realized that like this shit is selling and like every, and I hate kind of saying this cause it sounds kind of, uh, egoic or whatever, but like with the response from everyone was like what you said last time where it's like, I bought this because the artwork looked fucking cool and it was silk screened and then the coffee tasted good. So that was awesome. But like I, so once we started getting that feedback, I started getting more confidence and like being able to like express myself more and like not really worrying about like, so, and then you'll see like a year in, that's when I started doing like the cryptid releases and the high strangeness and the Friday the 13th and like three yeah, years and we yeah. started doing the Halloween club. And like, I really realized that like, I just have have to put as much of myself into this as possible and that's what people resonate with and that helped me kind of define that voice and so it's uh it's i can't say i did it on my own at all and the only other thing i i want to get back to talking to you because now i have a lot of questions actually uh, yeah. after after this but uh, but having a kid like having kids definitely made it so that I, once I was like supporting a family creatively, I was like, okay, I can't really bullshit with this anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, even yeah. like, yeah, even like starting this podcast and stuff like this is a way, like, I felt the last year, like, I hit this weird spot where I, I won't say it's like a creative block or anything. Cause like, 
I, I, like we were talking about, I can't really afford to have those. Like I have deadlines. <laughs> I have to fucking yeah, get. So yeah. like, but I, I haven't been as stoked as I had been on what I was doing. And I found that having conversations on Instagram with people like you and like my paranormal friends about other yeah. shit, it's, it was inspiring. So I was like, I want an excuse to start talking to these people more in depth and like really kind of see. And like, that's honestly like the selfish reason of why I started doing like the interview side of this stuff is because it's like, I have this one, I feel like it helps me a lot, but two, I have like all these really smart, talented friends that I don't hear talking about this stuff enough that I think people would like to hear. But yeah, like, that's essentially, I guess, a very long answer to your question. <laughs> I mean, I've been curious. That's I not to we won't, I suppose, dwell on this too much. But um, yeah, I mentioned it last time. But the whole reason I know about you was I remember specifically the bag that I saw. It was a bag of Costa Rica. And I saw it and I was like, wait a second. This is fucking is this screen printed and the wax seal. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding. Me. Like, this is crazy. So I picked up a bag. I love the coffee. I still worked in coffee at that time. Was so stoked on it. That coffee shop had one of the t-shirts that you'd done too, which was also really cool because I was kind of like, man, I've never heard of these guys before. Like, but okay, sick. I I and I I'll send it to you after this, but somebody just sent me a photo from like 20 uh 18 or 2017 and i wore that brandywine shirt um when i was at penland in north carolina and i remember people were constantly like oh did you make that and i'm like no this fucking <laughs> no, 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 this isn't me like this is this i love them like they do this really it's like real cute shit and like real cool shit and like but that was what i mean i was so stoked on that so recognizing your work was i mean for me was like oh this is I was really stoked on because I loved what you were doing. So that's awesome. That so that you, much. Yeah, I love that you got that direction and and kind of like sharpened your voice, I suppose, because that's why we're doing this now. Totally. And it's definitely one of those things that I am very grateful, like uh, to this day, like Brandywine is, you know, the thing that not only like supports me right now, but it's like it's my yeah. baby. It's like the thing that like, you know, it's what uh yeah what what did it for me and like gave me the confidence to really do more and and it's funny because it's like anything else like i once you start investing in yourself that way the rest of it just comes like i now get like more freelance offers than i know what to do with a lot of the times and it's like i was like you know seven years ago before brandywine i was like where was all that but like you gotta go through the (laughs) other stuff to you know to get there and it's one of those things that i'm like i try to be constantly grateful and like i it's so hard to uh, remember sometimes that like it's just such a small percentage of people that get to do this shit. Like it's just real, yeah. it's real weird. And I yeah, like to like to remind myself. But so when you asked that, that made me think of two things uh, that I wanted to ask. One, this is a little bit more on the woo woo side of things, I guess. But like, what yeah. are your feelings as far as like uh, you know inspiration or whatnot? And like so there's a big thought line where, you know, consciousness is kind of like antenna and we're tapping into like a big, uh, a big global consciousness when you're making stuff. Like, do you feel like your ideas are like of you or just kind of come randomly or like, how do you get inspired besides looking through old like uh, records and stuff like that? Uh, going on walks. So walks. Okay. When, when, I, when I first moved to, I live in Long Beach, which is like uh, pretty South, uh, Los Angeles County. And 
um, when I first moved here, I didn't have parking. There's parking is fucking abysmal. So you park <laughs> in the parking like you're maybe like a half. And I would get home late. And when I first moved here, I was working on a show. So I would leave for work at six in the morning and not get home till nine or 10 at night. So there was uh, never parking. So those walks to and from my car, I just started picking shit up. So I'd see like the, like, it was just things like I would see people who make the business cards that they tuck into everybody's car that says like, we'll buy your junk shit car for cash and seeing them like, you know, cause people see it on their brand new car and they're like, fuck this. Like what? <laughs> they throw them on the ground. So I would, I would like pick, I was picking a lot of shit up or I was looking at like, I was looking at the telephone poles as I went by and I was seeing like, oh my, I've never seen so many like staples and nails in a, in a telephone pole. And then you think like, oh, every one of these is there because somebody was communicating with their community. And like, yeah, so it was just kind of these and having the time to reflect and then kind of not having anybody tell me not to. So then I put out a zine that's only like, it's a screen hand screen printed zine with zero context and only photographs of telephone poles that are like half tone in a particular way. There's no explanation and making it and putting it out and being like, hell yeah, this is like, nobody's going to get it. And that doesn't matter, but it was totally. And thankfully people received it well and it was good. And and I think people are just being nice to me instead of really like, (laughs) I think sometimes they're looking at it and they're like, well, okay, whatever. Oh, cool. A zine about like come or a zine about <laughs> like whatever. Um, so it really was like walking kind of let my brain like it was, I mean, I work a lot, so I don't always have a lot of time to just kind of like sit somewhere and, and really like absorb. So that was my time to kind of absorb my surroundings. And then you find ways that those communicate with different things in your life. So if I come home and I'm like, man, I haven't watched any like kaiju stuff in a while. And I'll put on like Godzilla and I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then, you know, I, I go on a walk and I'm pretty close to little Tokyo at work. And I see like, oh, awesome. oh they have these like soft final toys here and I can't buy them. Cause I know myself and I know it'll become a problem. And I'm like looking at that and I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. I'd love to use that in a piece. And how could I, and then I'm thinking about it and it's like, Oh, like I'm, I'm a runaway son of a nuclear a bomb. And then got <laughs> like representative representative of like the a and like, Oh shit. Like this is all. And there's like some connectivity. So I do think, I mean, I think that it's really, like you said, kind of having your antenna up and just taking in what's around you. Because it's not, I mean, nothing I'm making is is my own in the sense that like, it's all just like, it's filtered through me, but it's just whatever I'm picking up from my surroundings. That's my favorite shit, man. And so two things, the way that uh, you framed that as perfect as far as the zine with telephone poles like finding like artfulness in the mundane is my favorite shit like it is like by far like it's what like my favorite media in any way does like whether it's like tv and it's things like freaks and geeks or pete and pete where it's just like (laughs) taking these very basic everyday things and elevating them to art by not doing anything but 
filming or documenting them. It's not like yeah. they're fantastical or like, you know, it's just like, this is how shit is. And we're focusing on this really special moment. And that's like, that's what any good art like kind of does, I guess, if yeah, you want to yeah. say there's such things as good and bad art. But like, I, uh, I really connect to that idea of like, one of the things that I love about your work is that like, it's immediate it seems immediate there's an immediacy to it like i can see yeah. that like when you were just describing that moment of getting that i can see that happening like you can like almost feel that yeah. moment of inspiration through the work which is really cool and something that like when i do art i feel like i lose a lot because most of my shit i'll start in a sketchbook and i'll like have a really like lively sketch and then take it to like a, a inks and then to an ipad to color and i feel like it yeah. loses some of that initial what that juice that starts it all out and whatnot, which yeah. is kind of like what I was talking about with trying to utilize some more sketchbook stuff before. But like, that's why it's really cool that I think people like you or like people that work in that way where you can go straight to the final product, you can conserve as much of that like creative juice from that walk or that moment of like inspiration. Like there's no like craft in the way of it, if that makes sense. Not that what you do is not craftful, but there's not like all these like extra steps, you know, that you're taking to like slow that process down or filter it more. And like, yeah, yeah anything is like what I do is just as much of an amalgamation and cut up style as what you do. Like I just do it through redrawing stuff. Like, like there's times where like, even when you post stuff, I know you cut everything up, but like that bugs bunny shirt. I was like, did he redraw that? Did he really like, like the, like there's times where like it resonates that way. And I think that yeah. like, it's, I don't know. That's definitely, I don't view. I, it's real. <laughs> I listen to some really geeky philosophy podcasts and there's this one called weird studies that just is this whole, um, they read uh, essentially like academic papers about weird shit and like they go yeah. over it and they just did this one about the anomaly like essentially like what makes humans special is the randomness and like the fact like what makes us like creative and special and the reason that like there's never going to be an AI generator that can mimic this is because no AI generator is going to be like I need to take a picture of that telephone pole with all those staples because yeah. I like like there's just that randomness. It can't be mimicked. It can't be generated except for like in our weird ass brains for some reason. Like it's that's what's special about those yeah. projects, you know? Yeah. And it's all just like, I mean, everything is so it's kind of like in anything that you go into, if you have expectations of how somebody's going to like respond or how somebody's going to be, I, I, it's been like a constant realization that like the experiences that people have had are, are totally different than you and wholly unique. So like I, you could maybe take a guess at like the next thing I'm going to do. You're like, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> all right. He likes this and he likes this. This is probably going to come down the pipeline. And it's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, then, but then there's little things like it's, it's the tiniest experiences of like, I'm thinking about this and it's really funny. Cause we were kind of talking about like, I suppose trash and, I have done that zine for a while that just asks artists to send like their scraps and their trash and then repurposing it. And only one person has said no. And the reason that they said no was, and it's totally cool. I, my feelings weren't hurt, but I had asked her and I was like, Hey, do you want to pee? I kind of explained, usually people are like, wait, what do I have to do? It's like, just mail me shit and I'll take care of the rest. It's like, okay. And this person was like, no, I'm sorry. I don't have any trash because I'd use all of my trash to make 
art. That's what I use. And it was kind of this beautiful, like, yeah, it made me realize you could totally fuck something up and somewhere down the line, that's going to be like the most perfect. That's exactly what you need is like, Oh, right. I fucking spilled ink all over that tracing paper. And then I like tried to mop it up and then I like (laughs) squish it all together. And, and now I can scan it and it's this crazy background texture to like put a fucking like alien or something on top. So it's really like, you could never, I guess you could just never replicate that. You can get close for sure, but you're never going to have the same experience as somebody. Somebody's not going to tell you to fuck off and they don't want to be in your zine. And that's going to end up being impactful to you like five years down the line, you know? Totally. That's a great story. I love that. I, I know I owe you a package of trash at some point, but I think there's like, there, there is something to that kind of not only like preserve, I mean, I, whenever just the word trash makes me think of the New York doll song. And that is just inspired by living in a shithole of New York city in the seventies and making it beautiful by wearing fucking platform shoes and like, you know, dressing up to the nines. And uh, there's something really special about like the beauty that came out of the dirtiest places. Like there's like, I don't know, something, something to all that shit. And I, I think, uh, yeah, there's a real specialness to seeing not only people's like what they would deem garbage, because a lot of the times others are going to be like, that's not garbage. Like most of the times people yeah. are gonna be like, that's fucking all. But not only that, but I think there's something to seeing like people's process, like seeing like, like, I kind of wish when people did like studio tours on Instagram and stuff, they showed like their trash cans and shit. Like I want to see how much stuff people are throwing away. And I guess a lot of it's digital now. So like it's a little different, but like I have just like, like whether it's printing, like I have, uh, I'd say half a file drawer is just like misprints that I don't know what to do with, but I don't throw away because of that reason. Like I'm going to do something eventually. Cause I'm always like, I'm just going to do a painting over top of it eventually, or I'm just going to print shit on like layered enough. Um, yeah uh also jay ryan you brought him up earlier but like seeing what he does with test prints and stuff like those books he makes out of them i was like oh that's like this guy is genius Have, yeah. did you see hold on i didn't get that i wish i did he did a, bre- a bag for brandywine he was the first person i reached out to for artist series stuff and uh, i thought so i had sweet. it right here and uh, it was the, it's the it's beautiful i love it so much and like yeah. it's it's he's one of those people that was just as nice as you'd hope to when you interact oh, yeah. with him and like yeah very very good just inspirational not only in an in a like you know visual way but the way he handles all of his stuff is very uh yeah i really dig it and it inspired me to be like oh yeah you don't throw away anything you save it all and you figure out how to use it all (laughs) he was was one of the first dudes that kind of put me on to uh maybe like creating organic background texture so i went i went to penland to take a screen printing course with him and you know, everybody's kind of doing their thing. And, and I don't remember what I was trying to accomplish, but he was like, well, why don't you take some paper and why don't we like just go outside and see what's around? So we go to a mud puddle and we take the paper and we fucking scuff it with our feet. We take, we go to a fence, right? Cause this is up in the mountains. We go up to a wood fence and put the paper on it and start bashing it with a rock to get the impression of it. <laughs> And, uh, the, you know, ultimately the piece that I made from all those textures was, was trash, but, um, (laughs) it was cool because it kind of, it might, it set the wheels in motion of like, 
well, why not like Xerox everything? Why not fucking scan like, uh, I, dude, sometimes the stuff I bring home is like, oh, it's like a lost cat. I mean, I have this one and I just haven't figured out how to use it, but it's like, it's my favorite piece I think I've ever found. And it's this lost cat flyer. And I work in like an industrial area where there's no, I don't think there's any lost cat here, but somebody had put the flyers up and it had been up for probably like two months at this point. So it's all sun bleach and it's ragged. And somebody took their gum out of their mouth and fucking stuck it on the cat's face. And it's just, (laughs) it's like, so I'm like, why would you do that? Even if you didn't think that the cat, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so disrespectful. Yeah. So that's like, so I just have to pick stuff up and I'm like, well, I'm going to use this at some point. Like who would take that? Yeah. Take that extra effort. That's so funny. And like, I don't know, that's definitely the type of shit that does need to be documented and saved for uh, a sociologist to look at later on in this world. Like that's like fucking, Oh, that's too much. That's do you work like when you're at your regular job, do you have a lot of coworkers and stuff or is it pretty much just you? No, no. I work with probably, like a minimum of 10 people. And then when we are trying to finish like a big show, it can be the, the last like real big show that we'd done was for France. And that was like maybe 30 people working like 12 to 14 hour days, six days a week. (laughs) Yeah. So you're around, I mean, and you're around a lot of people, which is good and bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely pluses and minuses. <laughs> do you, uh, do you, th- is this like a forever job for you? Or are you, uh, it's a really good opportunity that pays well to work in a field that like my degree is in. And, uh, I do like it a lot. I mean, I do, so I screen print every day and I don't screen print t shirts or like I do ceramics or I do painting. And there's a lot of like opportunities that arise from it that are, really cool or little things that I'll learn or, you know, it's really like a chance to sharpen your skills and get compensated pretty fairly. And also like, I think I'd mentioned this before, but not have to ever worry about like, Oh man, this like run of t-shirts has to be, this has got to put some money in my bank or like, Oh, well people better like these prints I'm doing. So in that regard, it, it takes all the pressure off of like, it doesn't matter if something bombs. Yeah. It's fine. That's you know, like it's huge. No, absolutely. And it yeah. definitely I'd say is, uh, is the way to do it. I was made. I was, it seems like the type of job, like I always pictured the comic artists who had those studios back in the day. And the way that you used to get into comics was you go like work, you go ink someone's pages. You, well, you'd start out erasing the pages. Like your first job was you would take the pencils and you'd literally just do the erasing and brushing and then hand, you know, like starting from there and working your way up. And I was like, I, is that a thing anymore? And like, it, it, from what I've heard about your job, it's like this closest thing I've heard of to something like that, where it's like you're in there learning like actual physical skills it sounds like but like i guess it's you're not as much like uh you already came with the skills like you kind of you like you got the job because you had that set of skills already right like maybe not the ceramics and stuff (laughs) no not the ceramic that's all like i mean that's real funny because it was kind of like okay how do you wedge clay and the (laughs) guy i'm working with is like what well like this and it's like oh okay cool so how do you flat like I don't know 
And I've been so <laughs> like, I have avoided it. And I, some of my best friends are amazing ceramic artists who are constantly like, Oh, I, you're going to, we're going to do this together. And you're going to, I think you're going to like it because my experience was like, Oh, I did it in high school before I'd ever thought of myself as an artist and I hated it and yeah. I have avoided it for 15 or so years. Um, were you an arts and crafts kid? Like, did you actually do like crafts and stuff growing up? I, or were you, you know, my mom, um, would do some watercolor sometimes and we would paint like Christmas ornaments and my mom definitely oh, made cool. it like, yeah, you could do. So we had like art supplies in the house. Um, but we didn't, ever I wasn't taking art classes there wasn't that kind of like community um so the cool thing was like my mom was really big on so I was raised by a single mom uh who was raising three kids and broke so the things that we did were like oh we went to the library because the library is free and because so I read a lot growing up and I I looked at a lot of really cool like I mean, you know, because you have kids, so you get to see kids' books, and you're, yeah. it's like, what? The, how are these not being as, like, celebrated as, like, yeah. amazing pieces of art? So I still remember, like, Sven Nordquist was, like, was my, oh, dude. God. Dude, so the good. Pain, so yeah, good. With Findus was, like, oh, that was my book, dude. So that's amazing. There was I, always, yeah. Oh, please. No, 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 go, go. I want to hear what you had to say. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, there was always, so there was always like, there were, there was, um, I don't, there was never like a focused outlet. So it wasn't until like, oh, I started writing graffiti as a teenager. And then like, okay, I started playing in like punk and hardcore bands. So then I, you know, who makes your flyers? Well, I don't like the way that these people make flyers. So <laughs> I'm going to make them on MS Paint or Hell like, yeah. Yeah, so it was really like uh, inspiration, not from ever taking classes, but from looking at Thrasher magazine or something and being like, oh, okay, that's how, oh, this is how the misfits do it. Like, well, that's, I'm just going to like, this is how I'm going to do it. Totally. No, I, I, that's my experience too. I was like thinking, I've been thinking about it with my kids are super into crafting and just like gluing all kinds of shit together and like i don't ever remember to like like it. like i remember doing it but never like mom dad break out the crafts like but they are like mom dad break out the crafts like we want and like i think it's like a big messy thing that they really like to do and whatnot and oh, maybe yeah, i just yeah, don't remember right. being and i don't remember being five at all probably so maybe i was really into it but like and my like my grandparents my nana they like did um craft fairs like my grandfather was a woodworker mm-hmm. and my nana would like paint this so they make like teddy bears or halloween decorations oh, and stuff so like i'd make stuff with her and that was always fun but like there's just it's interesting to me that like yeah i don't have that like initial like i remember when i started drawing and really liking drawing in general but yeah. i wasn't that kid that was like give me a coloring book give me crafts give me like i was way more into stories and just like, like kind of like you know, like i loved reading i love tv love tv like give me all the yeah. tv like that was 100 percent. but like I, I was always and i early on writing was not my thing knew it like just didn't yeah. didn't enjoy it was not but like drawing stuff i was always like i think i can tell stories like this but then even like getting older into the, like high school trying to make comics and stuff like that i'm like this is really hard like like not only the drawing part but the whole like linear storytelling to make things like good and like even to this day i'm like my like 
quote unquote comics are not they're a cop out as far as like actual writing goes you know like my writing is kids book style because that's all I read now like 80% of what I read is kids books so when I write I like or when I think about what I want anything to say it like rhymes initially in my head I'm like oh I guess I'm just gonna go with this like I'm just writing like grown up kids books with like aliens and Bigfoot is how I think of my current uh, current work so I'm I'm okay with it yeah it's accessible right it's like it can and that's like gotta be one of the I mean I experience it as an adult but I imagine like with kids if you ever watch stuff that maybe you saw as a kid you can have a deeper appreciation as an adult because things are so layered that like yeah yeah like if you know if your kids are reading your book on like the mothman or like aliens or whatever crazy shit is going on they're probably like oh cool uh, this resonates with me because like i love the colors and it's an alien and then There's you look at it as an adult and you're like oh yeah like yeah i know about this this is amazing there's so much like that in kids books it's not even like uh like uh which what would what's the word i'm trying to think of um god damn it i believe just drawn away but there's a lot of subversive that isn't even subversive just like the way that they communicate a lot of the stories and stuff there is yeah. like they'll be written so that when you're three years old you can understand this about it when you're five years old you can understand this about it and then like if like there's different layers of messaging so like it's in there already like it's like they have definitely figured out how to like kind of put things in the subconsciously like and it's it's one of those things that like i don't make stuff and i think all of the best like kids books illustrated like not like maurice sendak and all of them are famous for saying that like i don't make stuff for kids i just make what i want to make and like it happens to be in this format that is like acceptable for kids like and like i kind of like that's where i'm putting myself right now is that like my main what I experience more than anything throughout the day is my kids. So like, that's kind of why my stuff has gravitated to be more like, like, I don't know, fluffy and kind of whimsical and like, not like, <laughs> you know, I don't draw scary Mothman or scary. Like it's, it's all fun. And like, it's because like, it. and it, it's like, I, I want to be able to show Teddy, like the drawings on me. Like, I don't want to have to be like, no, you don't look at daddy stuff. Like, and not that I ever, yeah, not that I ever had that edge or like, you know, was that type of artist or anything, or even have the skill set. Like, I'm just not that, like, that's a whole other it's so funny like with craft and stuff there's so much levels to like what people can do and like i think one of the hardest things as any kind of creative is finding that like comfort spot for you like whether it's like like i'm like there's like someone like you who makes like think like these images that i could never put together myself and doesn't pick up a pencil like it's just mine it's it's the same as ceramics to me almost like the fact like i just i wouldn't even know where to start like putting together something like that and like it's the type of thing where i i wouldn't uh i just lost my train of thought but i essentially think that like we finding that comfort zone that works for you is like so important and like people I don't know, through Brandywine have asked me a lot as far as like, what do you think? Like, how do you become a working artist? And so like, they had me come talk at an art school at my old art school. And so it was so weird. Cause I'm like, just be nice to people. Like it really has nothing to do with like really your talent or anything. Like just keep doing stuff. Like one, 
if you make stuff, remember that 80% of people ain't going to make anything because people yeah. just don't do stuff. Like they just literally don't do stuff. So like you got yourself a step up there and two, like, yeah, just be nice to people. Like if you're nice to people, you don't have to be good. Like you can just, <laughs> it's so easy as far as that goes. <laughs> I think like the best thing, I mean, definitely my favorite thing about art was not, it, I love making art and that's kind of like a compulsion. So I love it. It doesn't really, it's not so challenging to me that I'm ever like beating my brains out over like, God damn it. Like, you know, so (laughs) there is a lot of enjoyment in that, but I think that my favorite thing about being an artist is being able to, you have that kind of like leg up or language into building a community and being able to like, you can, be friends with other artists. And that's been like, that's the one thing that maybe like, you know, they don't really, it's not like ever explicitly mentioned when you're going to art school, they're not like, Hey, you know what the first thing you should do if you want to be successful is to like build your community, like get work with other artists, like have conversations with other artists, realize that it's not this competition that you think it is. And instead just like, I mean, put, put in work to make sure that like you're building other people up and that in turn is going to be the reward. Not that like, oh, well, I worked on this and and people didn't immediately like it. So like, fuck them. And I know I'm better than this person or something like that. It's really like, it's just like being fucking stoked to talk to people about art, to share your art, to like help other people. You know what I mean? So like, no, absolutely. I think that that's. And I mean, I guess like if you, you know, school was always fine and talking to people was always fine and it wasn't particularly difficult for me. And even being in like being punk as a teenager or some shit like that, you know, I still like I had my friends and that was good. But this has been really it's a lot more maybe global now. And it just feels a lot more like there's some more substance to it. Uh, Yeah. So that's the coolest part about being an artist is just like the friends you make or the, or the bonds you make, or, you know, the things that you work towards, it's just kind of building your community and that rules. No, I agree. And I think you're dead on. I think uh, that can be applied to everything outside of art as well. Like I think if people had that outlook in the world, we'd live in a much, uh, uh, well, a much different world at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think community is one of those things that like, it's a weird word to me coming coming from like the punk scene and whatnot, because it was such a like, in person tactical, like you knew who the scene was. And you knew like, even from touring and stuff, you know, who you're going to see in that city, you know, who you're going, but like the art community, like that, I feel like we're both kind of a part of is like, like you said, just so much bigger and so much I don't want to say it's just way more wide open. Like it's way more in that, like, uh, I don't know. It's very, it's, you can't touch it as much, but it's almost like a little bit, uh, I I can't think of the right words for it, but it's more impactful. Like it's more, it's more meaningful in certain ways. But I mean, like I'm here, I said, I think on every 
interview I've done so far for this thing that I am here because of funk. Like the scene is what gave me that first bit of confidence. Like we were talking about when you asked me as far as where I like felt like I'd find my style. The first thing that gave me that confidence to, to put stuff out at all was making flyers for shows and stuff like that. And yeah. like being in a band and making my own record sleeves and stuff like that, because it was, uh, you know, even if people were just being nice to you, they would like hire you to do flyers for their bands. And like, you know, they were, it was super fun. It was the first, like, it's that first time you get that kind of like, oh, cool. Like, even if only 20 people saw this, that's 20 people. And like, I don't know, like it's it definitely gave me that first boost up. So I and from, I, that's why I married to Ali is because of the punk scene. Like all of it is all from that. So like it's very important to me. But I feel like the uh, the way that I can function in the current like communities that I function in. And like I learned that from there. But these communities are where I've been like kind of working towards if that makes sense <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. i think i don't know it, it's definitely not it's hard because like when you meet people with similar backgrounds as us there's like that kind you're like oh yeah this is my tribe like we understand each other because we have like a similar background and i realized you know not everybody grew up going to those shows or listening yeah. to that music or like making flyers and that's totally and there's still just as much validity in however people found their Dude, kind of things so much uh yeah. one of my favorite people who make music uh she got into this by going to like one of those uh, like rock star music camps where like you're like oh. okay you're a lead singer and you're a guitar player but like by the time i had met her she was in a pretty popular like underground basement punk band that was touring yeah. and like went on to be in more popular bands and like i had never heard that backstory like ever i had never heard someone that like like made that but like it made so much sense and the skills she learned from that world to trans like it worked so well and like she but you could tell that like it was just a very different way of coming at the world but it was so refreshing to see in a basement in you know philly that like you're used to seeing the same person over and over again if that makes sense um one thing that like just completely sparked in my head and i don't know exactly how to ask this but like you know like you said like we feel like we relate to each other we had a similar upbringing at the same time yeah but on paper besides like the scene that we grew up like home life and stuff i'd imagine we had a very different upbringing just from the little bit that we just talked like i had both my parents and like did not like how do you think you would relate better to somebody who had a similar like economic home life to you or to someone that like kind of more like we connect with on like the cultural like you know side of things like i've always wondered that because like I am all about like, I love my family and my actual family. Yeah. And like, I'm very lucky to have the family I have, but I love my like, you know, adopted family or whatever you want to call it. Like sure. people that I've like met and like have really formed who I am outside of yeah. my blood. Like, and, like I always wonder like where, I don't know what I'm even trying to ask, but like, yeah. what is the, the, what stronger connection to certain people? Think, you know, I think it really is like, it's interesting because I, um, would not definitely would not be the person that I am or be doing the things that I do had it not been for my mom. So it's always, and I always try to make sure I let her know, like, cause she's so supportive, dude. She's when I dropped out of college, I was 18 going to school for like a English degree and I was skipping school. I had already moved out. I was skipping school all the time, going to record stores instead. And I think I got a notice. It was like, oh, you're on academic probation because you didn't take your fucking finals. Like, <laughs> I, you know, so 
I remember yeah. having this conversation with her where it was like, I, I don't want to do this. And, and her kind of being like, well, are you only doing this because you think that I want you to? And it's like, yeah, of course. I mean, I had no direction or anything. She's like, That's what well, moms you should... want, right? <laughs> yeah. And she would, I mean, she was just like, well, you should do what makes you happy. I was like, That's Oh, amazing. cool. So, um, so I do think that, you know, it's not that my life was particularly hard. There are like hardships that um, kind of like make you value different things maybe, or affect you in like the funniest way. So like growing up broke, but in the desert, um, I got used to not running the air conditioner when it's like brutally hot and that's, <laughs> that's fine. But that has like negatively impacted anybody I've ever lived with because I just am like, no, fuck no, don't turn the AC on. And it's What's like, 90 yeah, it's so hot. And it's like, well, just don't move. The AC is too expensive to run. <laughs> and like, um, there are funny things like that, that kind of pop up, but my, I'm very lucky to have had like really, and definitely strengthened these bonds as an adult, but just to have, like, I have a brother and a sister and, and my mom who are just like, insanely supportive and have been just like constantly I they've never ever said anything like detrimental especially about being an artist but even when I was like so when I was like 16 years old and I was spiking my fucking hair and it's like you know like a foot and a half these crazy liberty spikes never was my mom like I don't like this I was like mom can you blow dry my fucking spike while I hold it up and spray it with hairspray <laughs> My mom doesn't want to do, and she has to go to work. She works like, you know, and she's like, okay. So it was always like, I am very privileged, like very privileged to have this level of support. Like my mom, man, I remember listening to like punk cassettes in the car and my mom is a rocker. You know, she likes like Led yeah. Zeppelin and stuff totally. like that. My mom is not down for street punk and she no, doesn't yeah. want to. So she's kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't. And even like, I mean, my sister in the late nineties, she's a few years older than me when she, when new metal broke and she was really into like corn and stuff. Oh yeah. My mom, you know, we were, we could listen to it, but I do remember, it's so funny. Like I remember my sister asking my mom, like, is it okay if I like, can I swear along to the songs in my bedroom? Like, well, and my mom was like, no absolutely <laughs> that's the line that's yeah, awesome yeah. But, that's but, amazing yeah she was never like you cannot do you cannot like express yourself creatively which is you know i look like an idiot so thank you to my mom for, yeah, and, and maybe, <laughs> giving me that opportunity yeah, maybe she should have checked me and i would have like looked less dumb but no no you look exactly yeah. how you should <laughs> that's awesome no i think oh, you know, it's one of those things that even like, just like you said, like you growing up in the desert and me growing up in Delaware, and it, it makes me feel like people's experiences are a lot more similar is what I was getting at than like they think they yeah. are. Because like, that's like, it, we're, uh, you know, country apart, different familial situations. <laughs> yeah. But like, the main thing is that we came from like, loving households. And like, yeah. you know, we're very supported. And like, you know, we found a punk scene or a scene of, you know, like minded yeah. people. And like, that's, a, it's just interesting to me, the people that don't find that scene. And I'm like, what do you do? Like, how do you where did you go? Like, what do you like? I'm, how's life work for you? Like, even now, like, 
being a parent yeah. and having to interact with other kids' parents and stuff and being like, oh, you're the people that like didn't get into the punk stuff. And like now I kind mm -hmm. of am getting a whole different look and like they end up in the same place. Like they're just feel like it's funny. Like you said, like it's not like their worldview is any less valid or like any less, uh, uh, yeah. you know, informed or it's just differently informed obviously but like uh yeah it's it's very i guess i was brought up to hate normies and uh they're really yeah. just like you and me <laughs> one of those, it's one of those things that like you, you're as an adult you when you kind of realize like the world is made up of people with different people with different experiences and you can't really hold I mean, you can hold those prejudices uh, against yeah. people forever. And I think that's probably not going to be a very fun existence. No, there is a, like, there's kind of that like, oh, you like listen to a dystopia cassette at a Food Not Bombs fucking picnic at the park where you guys collected like canned corn. Like, okay, we get each other. Totally. Um, and I'm, I mean, that I'm grateful for that. And when I see that in other people's art and stuff, it's very like, there are subtle nods to like, oh yeah, you like discharge or, oh yes. yeah. Like, okay. Like, and I love, I mean, for me, that's like, I got rules and, it, and going back onto like the first thing we talked about, how funny is that, that that is going to be prevalent or present in art history in 200 years that somebody's going to look at something Amazing. like that and be like, Oh yeah, like if you take a look and you can see like the influences from Crass and like, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's so like oh no, the books like, are being written as we speak. <laughs> no, it's very and I think you hit on something and that's like we uh, in the conversation that was lost we touched on my favorite probably design and of yours which is the Bell and Sebastian Richard Scary mashup. Oh no, you cut like, out. Oh, can you hear me now? Hold on, hello. Wait. It's the whole. I was giddy with anticipation on the edge of my okay. seat. Wait, what is okay. he like? <laughs> the? Okay, uh, the you can hear me now though. It's all good. Okay, uh -huh. the uh, the Bell and Sebastian Richard uh -huh. Scary shirt that you did was like one like you hit two of my favorite things. And Bell and Sebastian is one of those bands that people to this day when I tell them they're one tell people they're one of my favorite bands. They're like really, wouldn't have guessed that about you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, geez. it's like the best. Like the songwriting is just so fucking good. And like, but like taking that and putting it with one of my favorite kids book authors and illustrators, I was just like, okay, this is, this dude gets it like that. And that's the type of thing that like, there was an immediate reson reson resonance with it. Like, yeah, I was just like, okay, we're coming from, we're cut from the same cloth. And like, it's funny because like, I'm sure like, it seemed even out of line with some of the stuff that you normally do, which like, did that hit do certain designs that you do hit with certain people that you're like, Whoa, that person likes that. That's surprising. Like, yeah. are you surprised by like people that order certain ones and get really hyped on different ones? Or are you like, I know this person's going to uh, go ape shit over this one. <laughs> I think it's been, so the things I guess that I've learned are like, uh, I don't really like doing punk or hardcore stuff. That's been like the most <laughs> problematic in terms of like, dealing with uh the bands having a problem with bootlegs which is totally really funny. yeah that's I mean, uh, that's, surprising to me for some reason but i guess yeah, i get it yeah i don't know that's i <laughs> have mixed emotions about that but there is like this 
I never thought I'd like the Grateful Dead stance on something more than uh like punk it like like how is how are they more cool about their merch and stuff being bootlegged than fans that are should, that's so weird. <laughs> I was literally just talking to somebody who's going to a like John Mayer Grateful Dead shirt to sell bootlegs in a parking lot and so stoked on it. I'm like, and then a lot of it is like it it just it's cool because it's like finding community in things that I like that uh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there for sure. It's like, well, I like Bell and Sebastian, and I don't like any shirts that they have. No. Um, or you know, I a few shirts had come out, and there's been some good bootlegs like since then that I've been like, oh, that's cool. But I just went and saw them um, last month, I guess, and it was great. I, but I hated, I hated everything they had, so it's kind of like, well, I'm just making shirts that I want. And there are a few, like, I really like doing twee stuff and specifically like Rose Melberg anything. So there's a That's few people awesome. like Rose from um, Brenwater Print Shop I know is like a Rose Melberg fan. So I did like a softy shirt a really long time ago. And then I'm always like working on a tiger trap shirt. And then I'm like, well, and there, it, there's totally like, I know that some people are not going to care about some stuff that I do. I never know, you know, like <laughs> you never uh, know. I'm looking at, like I just finished printing last night, a bunch of like Charles Bradley shirts and Jesus and Mary chain shirts. And I know like, okay, you know, I think my friends like this, but it's not really my, like, it's not what I know everybody likes. So then through that, it's like, oh, I find out like, oh shit, you like this too. That's cool. Or like- That's so cool. Yeah, it's the better way. Instead of thinking like, and it's funny because I've worked, especially in bands, I've been in different bands where like most of the bands I've ever been in, people just write songs that have fun. But then I was in a couple bands with some people that had been in bigger bands and they were like, all right, we have to, like, what can we write to really hit like a chorus or like, you know, like, like to get a crowd yeah. react. I'm like, damn, people think about that stuff. That's weird. Like then like same thing with the art. Like it's weird that people to me will be like, do it the reverse way where it's like, okay, what's the biggest market I can hit by like picking out this band or whatever. <laughs> and like, it's really interesting to me to hear like you go the reverse where it's like, Oh, it's cool. I just do what I want. And these people liked it. And that's cool to know. They like the same shit as I do. Yeah. <laughs> It's like fine. I mean, it's just like a, it's kind of a cool way to, it's like a, I guess a weird way to find friends, but you know what yeah, I mean? No, that's like, what yeah, exactly. Like yeah, building like, community yeah. through making bootleg shirts is something I'd never really thought of before. Like it's definitely yeah. one of those things that uh, is really, yeah. I, it's interesting to see like, essentially it's cool to hear the way that you come up with your stuff without like thinking about other people's influence and like, cause like, I definitely see a trend where people they find what resonates and they stick with it. Like it's oh, nice yeah. to see you go from like the twee bands to the hardcore yeah. stuff to like everything in between instead of being like, this is the formula, this works. And like not only bootleg stuff, but like regular visual artists who like paint and draw, like they find that thing that hits and like they yeah. just kind of get stuck yeah. in that. I I'm a victim of it in certain ways, like I'm sure. Like yeah. I think all of us do it in ways that we're probably not conscious of for sure. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's interesting to me, like it's one of those things that I think punk definitely instilled in our upbringing that like you got kind of just contrarian. Yeah, exactly. Like that it's what, did you watch Pete and Pete growing up? Of course. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, I've been thinking a lot about Pete and Pete cause I just showed my five-year-old the, an episode for the first time. And what mm -hmm. I forgot 
what I love about PMP. So much I love, but like what I think still holds so strong is that like juvenile descent, that rebelliousness of like the parents are the enemy. Like that's what like I was showing Teddy this and I'm like, oh fuck, like this is like framing that like us against them mentality, but there's just something so special about it. And like, it's really interesting that like that is what, I don't know. There's that that same us against them is what I resonated with in the punk scene and like still yeah. kind of resonate with in general that I don't know. Like it's oh, yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely in there forever, I think. <laughs> it, maybe it prevents you from opportunities that you wouldn't that wouldn't nourish your creative flame. So that's true. Yeah, like it's it's a lot easier to say yes to everything for sure, or maybe not easier, but it is probably beneficial to say yes to a lot of things that, but we talked about it before having that like Ian Mackay on your shoulder. That's like, do you really want to do like, do you really want to do that? Like, do, yeah. I, you know, like, are you really going to charge that much or, or do you need money that bad that you're going to this or that? And it's totally uh, detrimental to the idea of being a successful artist and that it stops you from, I don't know, from sometimes reaching levels of success that if you didn't have that like self-imposed guardian on your shoulder preventing you from selling out, quote unquote, um, you could reach. But it is just, I think it's just a part that stays with you where you're kind of like, you know, I don't think morals and ethics are objective or what they're necessarily tied into, but it does give you a sense of like, right and wrong that is probably skewed and and having him Makai be like the poster boy for it is also not fair to him or whoever no but, no but it is like you know a lot of times i'm like and nah i don't need to do it like i just i don't need to make a grateful dead shirt because that's not important to me kind of thing or you know totally I mean? and like i really think there's something to the whole idea that like culture in general has lost a lot of those like kind of religious meaningful like spiritual initiations in that like 13 to 18 year old like age range that punk kind of has stepped in for a lot of us or like there's a million things that have stepped in and like but yeah like we use that as a way to kind of form our like basis of reality and like we used it as a ethical guideline just like i had rejected it's so fine it's so funny because the last person that i was just talking to he runs a paranormal podcast he's super into that side of things and he came up with the punk scene too and we were talking about how like in the punk scenes we both grew up in atheism that was it like people were not there was no god there was no like you know it was not talked about and like none of the woo-woo shit that like i had always secretly loved was really on and like i definitely like fell in love with the it's only what's in front of you and like you know that whole mentality and immediacy that like punk kind of like communicates a lot of the time but then we were both talking about it and we both came to we're like but when i think about just like the fucking weird magic that's in a basement show that can't be replicated anywhere or like a local show it's just like even like 20 people that all know each other and are all there for one reason like there's just something that's just like in, in like uh, what's called inherently magical or esoteric about that and like e- like it it looking back on it i'm like oh yeah it, it was just like going to church it was fucking church oh, like yeah, it straight yeah. up is like that same and uh i yeah it made me be like oh 
like thinking along those lines is what kind of got me back into thinking about spirituality and bigger shit that like led me into just being super into Mothman and Bigfoot and stuff again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it definitely like, I feel like punk was one of those things that, and like the scene in general, that was like a distraction from those bigger, like, like why ask the big questions? We have more immediate shit to worry about. People ain't got food. Mm-hmm. We got you like, you know, like yeah. it was all of that. But then like you get older and you realize that like, I don't know. It's it's important to zoom out sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, maybe having that. Maybe not that I ever was so destructive, but like, if your mindset is like, being twenty five years old sounds so far away and so yeah. like you would never even think about it. And then you know when you're in your thirties and you're like, oh right, like life rules and I'm happy and I can like these are the ways that I can make the world a better place and just as simple as like showing kindness to people uh that's cool so it is definitely like that immediacy just kind of gets you through your uh young adulthood and maybe helps you prioritize what's in front of you and sometimes that's detrimental sometimes that's beneficial but it is nice to when you kind of spread your wings and you're like oh right like it doesn't all have to be like you you it's nice when it imparts some or imbues some important things on you some important yeah. lessons that carry on through your life and you can use them in bigger ways totally it's also yeah. weird that like the ethics and morals that we're talking about as far as what we and I'd imagine we experience the similar things to the values in the punk scene are like mainstream now. Like everything that like, yeah. it's like when shit like broke a couple of years ago, I was like, wait, where you guys been? Like, duh. Like this is all stuff that has been yeah. like talked about for so long. And like, I don't know. It's very interesting to me how like if everything becomes like ideas don't exist in small vacuums. Like ideas just expand. And like, that is like, like whether it's like uh, any kind of different PC culture or whatever you want to call it, or like that was all things that was just in the punk scene forever. Like you just didn't, you you knew those, like, I don't know. It was a very different way of growing up and seeing society kind of grapple with those questions that like I saw a lot of people grapple with in a very small way like you know community was very interesting in the last couple of years if that makes sense <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah it, i don't it's, know it's interesting it's hard to not um immediately feel kind of like yeah like where the fuck were you guys why weren't you putting yeah. your time into this like at this point but then when you uh i don't know when you let go and realize i i don't know it, it's one of those things it's always interesting to see how those things leak into popular culture, sometimes like for the best and sometimes in ways that I'm like, like, dude, I love that. Um, what is it like, there's just been some interesting, there was like Kanye West, somebody had done art for him. That was like a blatant ripoff of a, like an American nightmare. Uh, really? Yeah. There's oh, the, I missed this one. Dude, there's like Kim Kardashian in the, is she wearing like a disclosed jacket? Like the Japanese oh BB band. And then uh, Lady Gaga in the like studded, like Gizem leather jacket in a video. Totally. And like, but it's cool because you know, it's kind of like in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure when there's like infest stickers yep. because somebody on set was like, they knew. That's, and they, it's, yeah, it was like, you know, these little subtle nods. Totally. So I always no. love, I love that. 
me too. And I like, it's one of those things. And I've been thinking about this in kind of the, I was, I, I won't go into this full antidote cause I just did it in a podcast that I posted recently, but uh, yeah. I was at a party recently and my fa- whole family was talking about Skinwalker Ranch because there's that new <gasps> show about Skinwalker Ranch on whatever right. channel it's on. And I started talking. They're like, Oh, you know, a lot. You really watch the show. I'm like, I've never seen the show a day in my life. I've been reading about Skinwalker Ranch since I was 16. I would just never talk yeah. to people about it because you would think I'm crazy. And apparently you don't think this stuff's crazy anymore. So like, let's have some fun conversations. So I actually like had a really good conversation with a bunch of my family members that I normally don't have much more to say to than like, how's it going? And like, how's life? And like, it's one of those things that like, it's interesting to me that that is so mainstream now. And like, everything ideas grow like they just go like and like it it doesn't it doesn't mean that uh they replace bad ideas or you know like all the the popularity of the morals or values that we had like you know through the punk scene like they didn't replace all the people's bad values like there's plenty of bad stuff out there like it's uh, not going away obviously but uh, maybe more than ever i don't know yeah but it's interesting how huh Seeing them pop up, seeing like, I don't know, I guess people, that's got to be an interesting one for the supernatural stuff because for so long, it was like, I was, especially in the family, I was the weird one that was like the, and it's just, it's definitely a, a, especially things that are like Skinwalker Ranch where I'm like, all right, now you're talking about Bigfoot coming out of portals or like you're talking about this was the the government, you know, gave billions of dollars to these people to study this ranch. And essentially, I'm pretty sure what I've uh, come to understand was just like testing different military like psychic weapons on people without them knowing it's really fucked up like the whole thing is actually probably way more fucked up and i mean i'm sure that whole area the uinta basin is historically just like a really crazy place like the uh indigenous peoples like uh uh, it's all so thick and crazy as far as like history there for sure and like i definitely think there's some weird stuff there and i love that you know, Bigfoot comes out of portals there. But I also think anytime there's a billion of dollars from the government going in somewhere, there's probably some weird shit happening and like stuff that's mm-hmm. not like fun or like, uh, you know, anything good. But, uh, or maybe supernatural, but uh, bad but evil yeah evil for sure and it's definitely i it's one of the i'm not like i left conspiracy thinking behind a long time ago as far as like i i it was definitely like i think most people that came up in our time like it was a way into a lot of this paranormal stuff like i definitely was like on like had a lot of uh weird nights reading weird shit on the internet and like just going down conspiracy rabbit holes and like it but it definitely has become less fun but there's definitely a few in that realm that like you know once you hear the government is involved in these weird paranormal things that just like anytime the government's tied to something with bigfoot i'm like what the fuck like you why clue, like what clue me into this i don't know about i mean this is not my world but i'm if, send me some links so some i'll send you some links a real easy one to start with i'll send you a couple podcasts that are super fun oh, yeah. to start with but the easiest thing have you ever heard of the missing 411 no that's the easy so it's a big um, it's a book written by this dude, David Polites, who is a retired investigator. He got interested because he noticed that national parks didn't investigate missing people. They didn't keep logs of missing people. They didn't investigate the people that go missing after like initial searches. So he retired as a uh, investigator and started privately investigating these cases and collected them in books. 
And he never mm. says it's Bigfoot or nothing, but uh, like these are the weirdest fucking stories you'll ever hear. And it's a lot of stuff that's like, mm. it's these people that grew up in like Appalachia and hiked their whole lives. And like their kid will, their uh, 12 year old kid will be like 10 feet in front of them and just go missing around the corner and have no oh, clue. Yeah, yeah. And he'll be missing for like two days and then they'll find him completely fine. And he'll have some wild story. Like a bear took care of me or like a coyote took care. And like, no animals don't, bears eat their own babies. Like they're not going to take care of a, baby human and be like oh, yeah. my like that guy hung out with some shit like who knows i mean the weirdest one is this one where this dude the a young kid saw what he said looked like his grandmother and was caught he the grandmother was calling him to come with her off a trail he follows her off the trail realizes that it's not his grandmother it's a robot that looks like his grandmother the robot takes him back to a cave the cave is covered with wallpaper that looks like the inside of like a ufo or a computer or like a spaceship but it's all wallpaper they're not actual buttons or anything there's all these other robots they just observe him for two days they make him like poop in the middle of the floor do all this weird shit and then the kids found like two or three days later and tells this whole story and they're like you just kid being kid you silly like you just you out in the woods being silly somewhere and it's like i don't know some weird shit's going on there so at the end like his whole idea with missing 411 is that there's some weird shit going on in the national parks that we don't know about the government knows there's something weird going on there but they don't really know what it is so they Teddy Roosevelt, when he bought the national parks, essentially bought those lands because of this weird shit that was happening because they wanted to try and control it or make sure they could control who can go in when to avoid interactions with this weird shit. So, like, that's the overall, like, so Bigfoot falls into that because, like, Bigfoot's a, like, a a theoretical cause for a lot of these disappearances and that the government is like researching Bigfoot for weird. I don't really know. This is where I stop because uh, once you start listening to those people talk, it gets religious and weird and just like fighting right. for God and stuff where I'm just like, Nope, I'm out. I'm uh, <laughs> I can only go so far, but uh, yeah. So here's the question I have. And this is, so that wallpaper that lined the cave, who made that? And if it was That's- specific and if it was specific to this, that means that they have an in-house artist working for them. <laughs> so then I'm curious, like, what is that artist's background that they their job is to make? They're like, okay, we need realistic wallpaper. You have to have computer panels. And then, like, where did, did they go to RISD? Like, how Dude. deep is their educate? Did they only learn it for this? Like, are they a fine artist? Did they go to punk shows? Like, interdimensional screen printers all day long like a hundred percent like it's definitely no i mean this is the shit that i love because of those details like there's a guy uh, one of my favorite paranormal thinkers and one of his favorite things to say is like think about it like if there are ghosts and there are like they're a physical thing they're a thing they have to wear like ghost underpants and they have to like yeah. use the ghost ba- bathroom and they have to like go to sleep and like if there are as like physical as people claim them to be sometimes and he's like uh-huh. that's not saying that these experiences aren't real it's just that the way we look at this shit is silly and then you have to like re- like what you just did is the best way to think about the paranormal like that is the yeah. way like taking these stories and like using them as like almost like creative narratives or like things like there it's modern mythology and folklore and it doesn't not in the way that these things didn't happen that kid i believe experienced some shit like that like yeah, but right. it doesn't mean that it's 100 percent like physical and like i mean 
I I like to change my thoughts on what the paranormal is all the time. And my current favorite one is the Gaia hypothesis where all of this is the Earth's consciousness. Like the yeah. Earth's a living thing, right? Like this is something that we can all kind of agree on, even more scientific minded people, is that this is a living entity that we're on, that it has its own like you know, path and life and everything. So what if paranormal stuff and these weird experiences of high strangeness are just that consciousness trying to communicate with our consciousness? And like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not like Bigfoot is real and it's not real, but really it's just the earth trying to be like, hey, quit fucking around with the woods and we're going to use this big hairy mascot to like represent this. And there's a lot of people that like can convey these ideas way better than I do and have done research, like legitimate research to be like, here are 650 encounter cases that I did a meta data analysis as a professor. And I can say that this has something to do with consciousness and like our consciousness being, and that's the shit that like that I love. Like I, I, at the end of the day, think it is something that's very personal. Like when you listen to these people have these experiences, there's no telling them that they didn't like that was their experience. And I think Mm -hmm. it happens to the people it happens to for a reason, if that makes sense. And like, I think it's, it's like, it's everything at once. And like, there's the only way you can be wrong about any of this is to be married to one idea is like, and that's my favorite part about of it is that it makes you be more open-minded. Like it makes you be like, uh, like you kind of like, even when people are spewing shit that you like, can't, stand it makes you stop and be able to stand it for a a little bit longer because you are kind of you've uh let yourself you've let some walls down if that makes sense and i think that's kind of like important to be able to take in stuff used that aren't like usually when i get turned off by like i listen to a lot of experience or podcasts and they'll go into that like super conspiracy religious angle and i'll I'll have that like gotta stop this but like i'll give them five more minutes i want to see where this is going and like i never come around to being like that's some shit that should be out there. But I'm like, all right, I'm glad that I at least heard that that's something that people think because, man, yeah. it's good to know someone out there is like that. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's always nice to know, like, a counterpoint. So even if it's totally, like, if you think that it's total bullshit, just to understand, and again, why people come to the conclusions that they come to, and a lot of that is based on, like, the experiences that they've had prior. So yep. it's a lot of, like, understanding why i don't know uh people from industrial areas that are failing vote a certain way and it's like well totally. I think everything that you think is like i disagree and i wish that you would understand how this is detrimental but at the same time like my experience is entirely different so i can't invalidate and- your so you're never gonna win people by telling them they're wrong like the only way to like make people's like minds don't change unless they change themselves like leading i learned early on with kids like just telling them how to do stuff doesn't work you got to let them like lead them to figure it out on their own because once they figure it out on their own that's in there and it's it's there you know like and i think like i unfortunately that's a big uh (laughs) Robert Anton Wilson talks a lot about reality tunnels, which is one of my favorite little uh, nomenclatures. And I definitely think there's something like we all just experience everything completely different. Even like the way we see colors, like I don't see the same blue as you see. We don't see the same spectrum of colors, like all that shit. Like, obviously, we're going to have different worldviews, but like that's kind of what makes things really special. Like, it's I don't know, like my favorite takeaway overall from the paranormal is that like we are this squishy bag where a squishy bag of like dichotomy where like 
everything is contradictory. Like everything about humans are contradictory. Like we are these yeah. like violent little meat bags that are also the most loving, like beautiful things that are capable of like the most generous acts, but also are just like, you know, monkey people that want to beat the shit out of each other. Like we're like all of that at once. And like, that's really special. And I think that's like kind of what the paranormal can like shed a light on and whatnot. I, I don't you. know. That's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, I know last time you said you don't have any kind of like weird experiences or anything yourself, like per mm -hmm. se, but is there, is there anything like, do you ever fuck, like, do you ever feel like you, so one of the ways that I talk to people about it, cause I don't have any experiences either at all. Like I really mm -hmm. do. Like I have one small kind of ghost story with my, with my five-year-old who had an imaginary friend that he named TD. It was an all black cat that lived under our, his dresser. And I was yeah. like, that's, cool normal kids have imaginary friends and then we were talking to our neighbor one night and she was like oh blah 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 the people that used to live there td he was like really good at keeping up the house and we're like what'd you say and she was like yeah the guy that lived there before you his nickname was td and i was like really like td and she was like yeah he you know you know about him right and we're like what and she was like well he died in your bathroom he had a heart what? attack in your bathroom and i was like fuck that's crazy my my son has an imaginary black and white cat that he talks to under his dresser that's connect it's on the wall that's connected to the bathroom that he died in that he that's calls so td bad. just randomly and like yeah. has no you know so like that's the closest thing i've got to like any kind of like you know parent and <clears throat> it's awesome it makes me it makes me think something's out there for sure and like but what i use even more than that is that like I really feel like when I'm making shit, it's not me. Like, I really feel like that, like, you know, taking the walks that you were talking about earlier, like that's a paranormal experience. That is like being able to yeah. connect to your surroundings and garbage in the street. Like that is a experience that's not normal. So it's paranormal. Like if you think about your life in those ways, like everybody is kind of living a paranormal existence. It's the same way. Like when people are like, <laughs> I'm not an artist, I can't make this. Like, no, nah, we're all fucking creators. Like that's what we are put here to do is make shit. Like, <laughs> like everyone yeah. can be an artist. Like, but yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think that you kind of experience making stuff like that? Like, do you ever feel like you're uh, touching something that's not here? I don't know. That's hard. I mean, it's it, a weird question. I know <laughs> yeah, I think it's a weird question. I think if you're uh, kind of removed from it, it's hard to not think of it as something that's so black and white or separate. So to think of it as like, Oh, a supernatural experience is like, well, it's gotta be a ghost. It has to be a UFO or it has to be totally. like a spirit in the woods or something like that. Um, and that's just like black and white thinking from being ignorant to the realms of existence. Yeah. Uh, so when I think about that, I mean, there's definitely some kind of magic that goes on when your brain wanders. And it's interesting because I do think that it's kind of like going through a library of all the different things or, you know, like what, however you've cataloged things in your mind. So I'm not a sketcher and I don't write things down. So I write things down on my calendar because uh, otherwise I won't remember, but I don't write things down because I have too much secondhand embarrassment from ever having to read it again or somebody reading it. So I don't, I'm not a dream journaler. I'm not, I don't keep a diary, any song lyrics I've written. Like there, do you make it, do you make anything just to make it? Like, do you have anything that you do where you're like, I do this for me. I don't put it on Instagram. I don't do nothing. Like, I have some stuff. Uh, yeah, sometimes, but it's, I mean, I've gotten so good at sharing art that it's like, I would say that the vast majority of that stuff is 
for me. And it's cool yeah. that if it's there's reception or there's a crowd, but I'm also now past the point because maybe with writing, the more you put it out there. I have a friend who just told me that she has written a lot um, and has shared it with only one person who is a published author who has said like, this is good. And I asked like, Oh, can I, can I put this out? Would you let me like help you with this? When we worked together on stuff in the past, it's like, no, I maybe, but I don't know if I would feel comfortable. I don't really like the idea of people reading it. And it's like, Oh, we'll put it out anonymously. Like nobody. So I think, I mean, I used to feel like that with art where I would make stuff and it would just like, I did a run of, you know, there's an edition of 30, all of them go into my portfolio. None of them leave. I don't show anybody. Social media was less prevalent or I didn't use it. So it didn't matter. Um, now I think I've gotten practiced at sharing stuff. So even though, I mean, I make prints, sometimes there's like a reason to do it. Like if I work with Brandywine, it's like, okay, totally. this is for you guys. Or if I work with like a friend zine, it's like, okay, I have to make something that I'd like for them to share or whatever. But I would say like 95% of the stuff I make is just like, I mean, I can see prints behind you. One of them you and I made together, but then, and then one of them is like a Christmas thing, but that's just me being a funny idiot. Those are my favorite prints you make. Like the, <laughs> like the, the learn to screen print ones. And like oh those ones are like, they're there. Cause like, there's no, those are the ones I know you're not printing for anybody but yourself. No. Like that's the best, and that's the best shit. Like that's the shit that I'm yeah. like, yeah, more people need to do that. And that's what, like, you don't need to keep a dream journal or anything like that if you have a way to, like, you're still doing stuff for yourself in a, you know, yeah. in, in a way that's more authentic than a lot of people who probably do keep dream journals and like you know yeah. like there, there's a lot of i don't know it's really interesting to me but were you getting to a point as far as like not writing yeah. stuff down and i'm yeah, sorry yeah, i didn't mean to interrupt you no no to, i went off on a tangent so it is cool i do like having that like just taking a walk in your brain to kind of like oh maybe i'll use this oh maybe i'll use this but why it happens and why like is there more to it or is it just something yeah. that's in the air that strikes you at that particular moment? Like it's entirely possible. Uh, and is anything random? Is anything unique to just me? I, yeah. I have no idea. So it's easy no, for me to be black and white and say like, no, this is not a supernatural experience, but that's just because that's like out of my wheelhouse. It's all worldview. Like it really is all perspective. Like people I think can, and that's where like, if it helps you to have that worldview, I think it's great to have it. And if it doesn't, it's, you should just leave it behind. Uh, Grant Morrison, like, you know, one of my favorite comic writers, he wrote yeah. a whole book about, he's a chaos magician and has a whole bunch of rants about all kinds of super fun stuff. But the, one of the, my favorite things that he says is like, he uses different, um, characters when he needs to so if he needs to be a detective one day he's gonna be fucking batman if he needs to be yeah. like super altruistic one day he's gonna be superman and like he yeah. used and i think that's like a really important thing to remember that like our our like brains or whatever allow us to wear these different masks when we need to so if you need to be like a little bit you know like yeah. there's some there's something to that connection and like I, it's really interesting to me like i feel 
I feel like you not writing stuff down is almost like more magical somehow. Like there's something really cool about it. Like that's really, that's uh, uh, very inspiring. It's like a filtering system, I think. So I think if it is important enough for me to use it or to work on it, then I will. But I don't have like a, so if it falls out of my brain, then I guess it wasn't that important to begin with. You know what I mean? Like how, how fast do you like, from idea to making it, how fast is your uh, it's fast. Your process? I'm a big fast. I'm a big quantity over quality fan, which is like not yeah. the uh, maybe not. No, the- I'm with you. <laughs> it's not quantity the- begets quality, if you ask me. Yeah, like, I, or yeah, you yeah. It, the better I, it's going to get, no matter what. I'm gonna throw a hundred prints at you, and if you like two of them, that's off awesome. And there's 98 prints that like, hey, if you need to, something to start a fire in the winter, like here you go. <laughs> you can use that. So I am quick and screen printing does let, allows me that immediacy to like make, put my idea into existence within like, I mean, I never longer than a week. I really don't like working on things for a long time. I just want to get it done and move on. Um, that's not to say that, you know, sometimes I have real dumb ideas that totally get wings and like they are given my attention and, and they do come, they come to fruition. And I'm like, fuck man, maybe if I thought about that for four or five days, I would have never have done that. And I probably, the world would be better without it. I disagree because those are like, I, I think about like uh, bands like the Ramones with stuff like that. And like their silly dumbass songs are like as yeah. important as the like really good, like meaningful one or as meaningful ones, you know, the, yeah. the silly songs make the other songs hit harder. So like, you're <laughs> like, you're like silly prints are going to make, it's just, I really feel like people who don't have humor about that type of stuff and like have that kind of like, yeah, this is what I want right now. I'm putting it out, whatever. Then yeah. like, you're going to lose a lot. Like you're going to miss, like, you know, for, for every five, you feel like you shouldn't have put out. There's going to be one that we're like, fuck, I really should have done yeah. that one. And not I, been like, you know, I yeah. mean, you don't, I guess you don't swing. I mean, you hope that every, every ball you swing at is a home run, but you don't go into it thinking like, well, I'm not going to fucking swing unless it's a home run. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to, totally. I'm going to be fucking, I, you know, and not to use it. I'm not a big baseball guy. So this uh, analogy is um, all flat, but um, <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to fucking swing every time and I'll, I'm going to strike out a lot, but yeah, <laughs> no, totally. But you're going to hit a lot of like singles and doubles too. Yeah. And like, if you got a couple people on base and then you hit the home run, then you're like all that much better for it. Yeah. Like, right. Well, and that's, like swing, I, baby. that's right. See, we know baseball, we got sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that is a, that's a really awesome way of thinking about it. Um, so this has been really awesome. We're at almost two hours now. Is there anything else? I know totally. It goes really quick. And it's funny because like before, so I'm still new to the whole podcasting thing. And like, I edit everything and doing the five minute, like daily podcast. Like I don't really edit. I play my favorite part of doing the podcast every day is that I get to play guitar and like, I get to make the little music in the background. So I spend more time doing that than like any of the other part really. Um, But I just edited my first like couple interviews. I'm like, oh, fuck, I see why people complain about this now, because it's like you have to there's two hours. You got to go through two hours a couple of times. And like it's it's definitely one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I can see like I'm glad that I'm doing this with people I like, because if I did it 
list with like this is what I had. I would hate this shit, oh, like, but it's yeah. fun right now because I'm like, oh, I just get to listen to this silly conversation that me and Chris had again, and like, yeah. It's, I also just don't really. I'm not very worried about production. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not cutting shit out or like, you know, like really? unless uh, unless anyone asks me to remove things, everything stays in as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I mean, I, we talked about this last time, and it was like I have uh, talked about process and art a few times and i usually am very uncomfortable doing it just because it's not uh you know there's a lot of like i'm probably the first person to be like oh my shit sucks and i don't think that but it's just a part of like you know maybe being a tall poppy and not and you're cutting yourself down kind of thing um this has been i mean the second time was even sweeter this it's good to be back on your podcast awesome Um, (laughs) yeah it's so comfortable and it's easy I'm really glad that it's, it's been that way with everybody I've talked to so far. And it really makes, and like I said, like I've only reached out to people that I've connected with like you, where I'm like, this yeah. is somebody that I would, I want to ha- like, I want to fly to California and hang out with you and yeah. print stuff in your studio. You know, like that would be awesome. And yes. this is the closest thing I have to that because I, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> with kids travels a lot harder these days. Yeah. Everything's so much yeah. more expensive. We Dude, just flew to pay for them. It's crazy. It's a, it's wild. I don't even want to get into it. We just flew to Florida to visit the in-laws because they moved down to Florida and had like the nightmare experience on the way home where we were in the airport for nine hours and our flight got canceled. We had to fly into like three hours away from home, didn't get home. And like the whole time I was like, this is the fucking worst. I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. The kids were great. Like they were great. Like the whole time I was the one freaking out and being like, yeah, I'm the baby. (laughs) I think that's been the biggest lesson of parenthood in general is you're the baby (laughs) (laughs) all all the time. Yeah. They're kind of, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't have kids, but that's, yeah. It's definitely a lot more cleany. I, I pretty much clean and uh, feed people is the main, main gist of it, but also just constantly being reminded that like, it's like a instant, like you're a selfish a- asshole uh, alarm. Like, yeah. don't be selfish. You have no longer have time to, to you know, like you now live for this thing. And yeah, it's, you're it's, responsible. Yes, it's a weird thing, but it's good in a lot of ways. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, thank you again for. Uh, I meant to say that, you know, we tried to record this before and that's why we keep referencing a uh, (laughs) previous conversation that you all will probably never hear unless for some reason the internet gods decide to give it back to me, which I don't think happens. So (laughs) luckily this one is solid and I'm really stoked. I agree. This was even better. So thank you for coming back on. Is there uh, somewhere you want to send people to check out your stuff, buy your shirts and just look at the fun things you make? Yeah, uh, Instagram, farewell.transmission is all my stuff. Uh, there's a link to my store in there. There's shirts sometimes. There's prints sometimes. If you, <laughs> I, you know, it's, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I live on the internet. He's modest. He drops, I feel like you drop a new release like every week oh or God. like every um, other week or something. Like you, 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 you hustle. You do good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. No such thing. All right. Well, I'll have links to all that below. So definitely go buy some stuff from Chris. And yeah, thanks, bud. I'll talk to you soon. See you, man. Bye. All right. I'm going to.